and welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told in the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here your news, reviews, discussion, and of course stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And uh, we are welcoming back uh, one of our favorite apocalyptic campy audio plays. I guess you'd call it comedy, but it's more of a campy satire kind of show. Um, not hard sci-fi, but this weird post-apocalyptic world where uh, corporate America has just gone a little too far. Um, that is the world, of course, of Our Fair City. Um, they are now in just wrapped season four. Um, they are going to be debuting a season five. In fact, I just learned they're having a party in mid-January um, in Chicago. Um, they throw some wicked parties, so I would totally recommend uh, making it out to that if you're going to be in the area. Um, if not, we uh, have the warm hearth, if you will, of uh, their previous stories from Our Fair City, brought to you, of course, by the Heartlife Corporation, who's all the life you will ever need. Um, these guys are great. Um, they started as just a little um, Kickstarter project that could, and have now now gone on to becoming quite an ensemble. I, I forget the exact number, but they've worked with hundreds of artists over the years. Uh, have a real uh, complete, consistent um, uh, brand, if you will, of their series with a beautiful website and um, beautiful episode art for all the different podcasts, um, original music, um, a great little uh, rotating cast of characters, and this uh, funky story world. Um, and and have talked about doing uh, interesting stage theater things that sort of riff off the possibilities of audio, and um, uh, as well as their their own little uh, non-radio drama spinoffs. Uh, they they've done like a couple little pieces by H.P. Lovecraft, and they did a War of the Worlds special for us as part of that contest earlier this year. Uh, so we are going back to the world of Our Fair City. We're going to play for you um, uh, about the first half of season four of Our Fair City. And um, if you kind of wonder what the heck went on, uh, check out all the previous ones, ourfaircity.com. Um, and I'm sure if you search for iTunes, you will find them, Our Fair City. Uh, great stuff. Also on Twitter, um, talking about what the Heartlife Corporation wants for you. Here we go. Last time on Our Fair City, the brave crew of the lightning rig Stormhawk find themselves staring into the cruelest storm in a century. Now listen up! I've attached explosives to the side of this rig and I will blow us all up! Ozone, hit the deck! And let's go! Kids been hit! It's gonna bring us down! Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by the company you depend upon for all of your greatest needs, Heart Life. These stories are true dramatizations from our fair city's glorious history. So listen and remember, Heart Life, all the life you'll ever need. Say one thing of Vice President Davenport. Say that he is a creature of habit. He finds comfort in the routine of sleeping for the recommended 7.5 hours, waking up to the smell of coffee, then going to his place of business. However, a single element out of place can be disastrous. Have a nice day, Vice President Davenport. Shut it. Affirmative. 
This is the kind of disaster which legends are made of. Today, lives may be lost, property may be damaged, and empires may fall. And what, you ask, has precipitated this impending catastrophe? This morning, there was no coffee in the machine. Good morning, Vice President Davenport. One floor, please. Ten. Do it quickly, I'm late. Of course, sir. You are looking particularly trim this morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, can we dispense with the chit-chat this morning? Of course, sir. Thank you for your Emergency clamps engaged. Power conservation mode online. Rapid travel and politeness circuits non-functional. Pissin' mold juice. Come on! Come on, work elevator! Elevator! Work, damn you! Ow! What floor? Ten! And quickly, you broken down piece of excrement! No. What? Rudeness will not be tolerated. Good morning. Nice to see you, sir. Looking good, Mr. Davenport. Mr. Davenport, you're here. Good. There's an urgent report on your desk. Sir, the Butesimal Waste Supervisor is online one demanding... Coffee! This is urgent. First, if we could... Ah! Right, sir. Of course, Mr. Davenport. Ah, yes. Bring it to me. Extra dark, extra sweet. Yes. The light! Power's out! What's this? I didn't save my work! It's so dark! Is the coffee made? No, sir. Why? This, uh, well, this may be related to the report on your desk. Oh, the report on my desk explains it. Yes. I suppose I should take a look at it then. I would, sir. Why don't I just settle in to read it then? Sir? Oh, that's right. I can't do that in the dark with no coffee. Perhaps we could uh, brief you? Perhaps you could. We got a report I'm that- sorry, Jenny, but my issue is of uh, vital importance. And we'll just take a moment, sir. Fred Kirby- Excuse me, but I was speaking. As I was saying- Fred Kirby Josh, says- Me first, me Jenny. First. I don't care who, but one of you had better start talking. And whatever you say, it damn well better end with the words, and that's how we'll get you your coffee, Vice President Davenport, sir. Or someone is getting fired. Out with it! You know what, Josh? Why don't you go first? Oh, no, please. I insist. Your issue is really paramount here. I don't think so. Ah! Speak. You first. Um, which of us are you pointing to? We still can't see. Thank you for volunteering. Oh. What vital issue is depriving me of my Arabica? Uh, well, it so happens that last night, 
And there really was no way to foresee this, but last night... Hurry up and get to it. Last night, EDCF number 8... Wait, wait. Slow down. What? It stands for Electrostatic Discharge Collection. It's a lightning rig, sir. Why didn't you say that? One of the active lightning rigs, the Stormhawk, collided with a derelict one. Both went down. We've had no communication with the crew since then. I see. How many did we lose? The crew records show 78 policies were aboard. No, damn it. I don't care about the policies. I want to know how many electricities did we lose. Electricities, sir? How soon can I have my coffee? We've been looking into that. <laughs> uh, Stormhawk contributed 4.54% of the city's power. Is that a lot? It's 200,000 kilowatts. Uh, what's a watt? <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Huh? Huh. Never mind. The point is, it's a lot of power. We've got rolling blackouts throughout the city. Critical functions are still operational, but we've lost the peripherals. Like the lights. And the coffee. So, what do we do? Uh, we... Uh, we were waiting for you to maybe, um, give us some direction on this. We don't know what to do. You can't make coffee, and you can't fix the city's power grid. What do I pay you for? Attention, policies. Emergency power conservation measures are in effect. All non-essential services will be terminated. Your basic needs will continue to be met at the sole discretion of the Heartlife Power Regulatory Committee. That is all. Non-essential? What does he mean, non-essential? Another day has begun in Heartlife. The moles are in their morning briefing deep below, the PWCs are changing shift, and the relations technicians are taking their mandated two-hour walk. Not one of them is yet alarmed. There have always been occasional power outages. From time to time, things break down to the policies of Heartlife. The status appears quo. But it is not. Tonight we bring you far from the safe, warm walls of the monolithic tower that houses the powerful Heartlife Corporation and venture once more out into the frozen tundra that was old New England. Here there is precious little succor for the wretched wolves that eke out a lean and hungry life. On a bitter night such as this, the scent of unwary prey wafting across the plain is irresistible, and the thought of sinking her teeth into the warm flesh lures the she-wolf closer. To smell it so strongly through the sleet and the wind means it is near. The ice here is scarred and shattered by charred flotsam, spreading further than the wolf can see. The tang of ozone and carbon mingle with the unmistakable aroma of living, breathing, edible creatures. The twisted hunks of metal are barely recognizable as the wreckage of the downed lightning rig Stormhawk 
The shadowed bulk of her main hull rises from the darkness, out of her element, like a beached whale. Within, two primates rest on little stands. Their separate cots resemble nothing so much as platters to our hungry canine. There's got to be more time before six bells. Yeah, there is. Ugh. Okay. Jane? 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 Oh, you're asleep. I don't sleep so well since the crash, you know? I, I guess you must know. I keep thinking about the ones that left with that Henderson clown. I bet they didn't make it far. It's cold out there, you know? When I close my eyes, I see them. They walk out just over the nearest ridge, and then they start to fall. One by one. Gets to me. Like it's my fault. I should have stopped them! Go. To sleep. <gasps> Sorry. Sure, it's dead. Pretty sure, yep. Wow. Tomorrow I'll make that and do a blanket. I'm impressed, but I kind of feel bad too. Well, feel bad off the bed. Can't deal with your weak stomach. No, no, this wolf, right? It was going to eat us. Yeah. We're our bones as hats. Uh-huh. But that's not its fault, right? What the crack is wrong with you? It's like instinctual to the wolf. We can't blame it for wanting to eat us. It just wants to run free and howl at the sky and gnaw on our bones. Benny, that is so sensitive of you. Yeah? Are you trying to sleep with me? What? We share a room, but not a bed, right? Yeah. Well, I really hope you're trying to turn that arrangement into something more. You do? Yes, I do. Well, now that you mention Because it. as painfully awkward as that would be, at least it would excuse this touchy-feely bull crap. Wolves just want to be understood. And suddenly you care about a couple of morons from the crew who preferred a forced march across the frozen waste to staying here. Who left with Henderson anyway, that lick spittle, clear skies Tim, Jack and Grayson, few others. 
They made their choice. But the wolves and the cold? I've seen Neil Henderson climb hand over hand up a lightning rig's tether and catch an anchor line barehanded. I'm quite sure he and his friends are perfectly fine. Go to sleep. Things would be different if Lucky Strike were alive. You shut your crackling mouth right now. For now, dear listeners, let us leave these two lonely survivors to the life of isolation that they have chosen and turn our eyes far across the icy plain to Neil Henderson and his party of lightning riggers. Deep instinct has called them back across the trackless plain to the one home that they know. They have braved the elements on the slim hope of returning to the warmth and safety of heart life. Well, this is bracing. No, it's not. I don't know what y'all have to complain about. I just don't, don't mean to complain, Captain, sir. It's just a bit c- c- cold out here. I can't feel anything below my ankles. And it's getting dark. Miss Allison never pushed us this hard. Well, Miss Allison asked me to lead this little expedition. Isn't that right? That's right, I did. Neil has made it through a lot worse than this, and he'll get us back safely. Yeah, this is nothing. Just a little adventure is all. Now, I know it's cold and dark, but we can't stop right now. Those wolves are still following us. I knew we never should have fed them. Charlie didn't mean to feed them. It was an accident. Well, he should have thought of that before he got it. We gotta pick up the pace. Lomi here will want to wake up someplace warm, I expect. If she wakes up at all. Lomi is doing just fine. She's just sleeping it off is all. Isn't that right, Lomi? Well, that settles it. Now quit your belly aching and let's get moving! Captain, sir, I don't think... I don't think I can... Tim! He's alive, but his pulse is weak. I I don't know what to do for him. You hear that, Neil Henderson? You'll be the death of us all! Easy, Jack! Neil knows what he's doing. We'll stop and rest him. What? No! We are not stopping just because this one fella can't keep his feet beneath him. Neil, not everyone can keep up with you. All right. Fine, fine, fine. We can carry him along with us. None of us can do that, Neil. We can't do what you do. The rest of us aren't used to slogging through the waste. You wanted me to lead this expedition. And you're still the only one who can lead us back to the city. But for now, we need to stop and build a fire, or we're going to lose Tim and who knows how many others. Best thing for Tim right now is to keep moving. Here, I'll even give him my coat. Come on now, fella. We gotta get you up. Let's go now. Uh, 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 what is that awful smell? Well, that is the subtle aroma of a raccoon pelt, son. It'll keep you warm. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Tim, can you walk? Captain Henderson wants to put a few more miles on today. I think so, Cap... ma'am. All right, then. Let's move! Uh, hey! There is one way back to the city, and that's in the tracks of this man right here. We will follow Neil Henderson or we will die. Get moving! Ma'am, right you are. Let's go. We're covering at least 14 miles before we stop. I promise to get this mole back safe and sound, and that's just what I mean to do. How are you going to do that, Neil? 
I know you don't want to hear this, but she doesn't have long. That's why we have to move fast. Maybe tomorrow I can send some of those sky fellas out to kill us a raccoon or two, and we can make some wide, flat shoes out of their hides, you know, for, for walking over this white, fluffy stuff. None of these people can kill a raccoon, Neil. You're probably right. Then there'd be nothing to hunt the wolves that are chasing us. We better bag us one or two of them instead. No, Neil, that is not what I mean. No one here is killing any wolves or raccoons, and they can't keep up this pace. Well, why in the hell not? It's not their fault. They're only human. What if we lasso a couple of them? The, the wolves, I mean. Maybe I could wrestle them into submission and we could ride them for a ways. You and... don't get it. That's not going to work. You've got 12 cold, hungry people you're responsible for now. You have got to start thinking about more than just yourself. That is exactly what I'm doing. She's just a mole, Neil. There are people here and you need to help them. I have heard you say some hurtful things before, but I never expected to hear those words from you. Just a mole? Just a mole? I made a promise, Allison, and to some of us that still means something. Go on, get out of here. Go make your fire and your food. We can stop. I'll be here when you decide you're ready to start moving. Benny is right to fear for our dear departed policies in the unforgiving waste, far from the embrace of our life-giving corporation. Out there, the wind doesn't howl, it screams. It is dark, and there are wolves. Mongrels will turn a man into a meat meal in a minute, and minus some miracle, metabolic processes turn to molasses in moments. Can a lone policy like Neil Henderson make the difference for his band? Can they survive on the extraordinary qualities of an individual, or will they succumb to their statistically inevitable fate? Find out as the story of our fair city continues. Above the safe tunnels and cozy warrens of our fair city, there is no heaven. For our policies, the ancient model has been reversed. When we die, we hope to go down, down to a place of heat, because to go up to the surface means to be cold, eternally cold. Neil Henderson is there, above, in the cold. The mighty hero of the putrescible waste fields is striding through the drifts of ashy snow. On the horizon, he is sure he can see a small shape, which he is sure is the top of the Heartlife Tower. He is sure of it. It must be. Last night, he was sure he could even see the lights of the uppermost offices glimmering in the darkness. Behind him, he drags a sled through the snow, bearing a wounded mole. Beyond is a train of human souls, who without him would certainly be damned to remain forever in this frozen hell. How you doing back there, Lomi? Well, naturally you're not great, being in a coma and all, but besides that... Well, don't you worry, we're gonna get you back to the city and see a vet and you'll be just fine. Probably be singing those dirty shanties of yours before you know it. Well, I don't know. I ain't much of a singer. Well, well, all right. This here's a song we PWCs sing in the calm before Spice Night. 
There's a place that I know in this wonderful city Where the ground's soft and brown and it smells awfully Did you hear something, Lomi? Neo! Allison? Hold up, Lomi, it's Allison. Oh, shut up, it's not like that. Allison, what is it? We need to stop. Again? Why? See all those people over there? The ones huddling together for warmth? Uh, well, sort of, if I squint real hard. Yeah, those people. They can't keep going. They need to stop and warm up by the fire so I, they, can feel their toes again. But we just stopped last night. And the night before that. We need to press on. You know, a fire would probably do your mole a world of good. Is that true, Lomi? Are you cold? Fire would make her warm. All right, I guess we can camp here for the night. Oh, thank God. Give me your lamp oil. Aren't you gonna go tell the others? They'll figure it out. I'm starting a fire. Lamp oil, please. Sure thing. It's... It's, uh... Um... Well, that's funny. I, I could have sworn it was right here. Lomi, have you seen that fire fuel? Good point, Lomi. Allison, don't you got a can of your own? Ugh, fine! I'll use some of mine. Sorry! Stuff it! Now don't give me that, Lomi. I told you, it's over between me and her. Doesn't mean I want her to freeze to death out here, though. Look, when you wake up from this coma and you can actually speak for yourself, then you can give me womanly advice. Finally. Who's making the fire? I am. Give me your lamp oil. What'll you give me? Oh! My nose! My nose! Oil, please. Here you go. Thank you. Has anyone seen my pocket knife? Has anyone seen my blanket? I need my blanket. Who gives a PWC's paycheck about your stupid blanket? I want to know what happened to my ring. Now, I think it's high time we change these bandages. That is the 78th worst smell I have ever smelled. Oh, now let me just get those bandages. Hey, where'd you get that hat? It's mine! No, it isn't. It's mine. You stole it. Get That's funny. I, I know I had some bandages in here somewhere. Neil, we've got a problem. Allison, you got any bandages? Mine seem to have disappeared on me. Captain, sir. Captain, ma'am. Clear skies. Uh, sorry, which one are you again? Junior Assistant Quartermaster Clear Skies Tim, Captain, sir. Call me Neil. Now, now, what is it? We appear to be missing supplies, Captain, sir. Well, I'm sure if we just ask around, someone can give us... He didn't mean we as in the three of us. He meant we as in everyone. The camp. The camp is missing supplies. Correct, Captain, ma'am. Well, how much are we talking about here? We can't tell until we do a proper inventory. My hat! No, it's my hat! It's my hat! No, it's my hat! My hat! Though I think it's safe to say one knitted hat, which has caused a bit of a fight. Over a hat? Hell, he can have mine! Which fella lost it? Jack, sir. Captain, sir. He's the one over there getting pounded into the snow. What, that guy? Screw him! Back on the rig, he peed on me. He doesn't get a hat. What do you think, Neil? Well, supplies don't just get up and walk away on their own. No, sir, Captain, sir. Now, I told you to stop that. Sorry, sir, Captain, sir. Force a habit. Well, that's all right then, I guess. Now, let's see. Who could be taking our stuff? It would have to be someone untrustworthy. 
someone out for themselves, someone who held their own comfort above the needs of the group. Allison! What? Neil, are you accusing me? After all we've been through, and all that we've meant to each other, I can't believe you! Actually, I was just going to ask if you'd seen anything suspicious, what with you being good at reading people and all. Oh. Well, in that case, I'd check the kid with the duffel bag. What? That kid we caught on the ghost ring, he keeps sneaking off by himself to talk to his duffel bag. A duffel bag? Which could be used to carry the missing supplies. Thanks, Allison. You're welcome. Here. What's this? Plan number two. In case this kid doesn't have the supplies, we'll need fuel for our fire. And a bucket helps us how? Plan number two isn't a bucket. Plan number two goes into the bucket. Oh. Oh, God. Hey, Clear Skies. Ma'am, Captain Ma'am. How would you like to be in charge of finding out what's missing? What would I have to do? You see this bucket? Here's what I'm going to need you Kid with the duffel bag. Kid with the duffel bag. There he is. Can't we wait until we get back? No, Captain. No. Dangerous out here. And you keep me out. Hey, kid! Hi! Who are, who are you talking to, kid? T- talking to? I'm not talking to anyone, because there's no one else here. Nope, uh, I'm, I'm all alone, all, all alone. All right, then. Say, you look awfully familiar. Yeah, don't say. Did I vomit all over you once? Yeah, I get vomited on by so many people. Uh, well, that's kind of miserable. <laughs> anyway, kid, I... I gotta ask. What's in the bag? A what bag? The the one you just kicked behind you. Oh, this bag. I, I thought maybe you meant uh, some other bag? A metaphorical one, perhaps? No, no, I, I mean that one. You mind if I look inside? Why? Uh, I, mean, I mean, why would you want to do that? Look, kid. We're missing supplies, and you're over here acting all creepy. You see where a fella might suspect. I didn't take any supplies. And normally I'd take your word for it, but we've got people fighting over ugly hats over here, so I I gotta... Stop! I'm sorry, kid, but... My mom's in there! Your mom's in this duffel bag? Well, not all of her, just her head. Um... You want to explain why you're keeping your mom's head in a duffel bag? We were on the rig and it crashed and we were separated and I looked and I looked and I looked for her and then I found her but she was all in pieces so... So I took her head and if I can just get her back to the city everything will be alright! I get it, kid. You do? You want to do right by your mom. Give her a proper send-off. You see Betsy here? No. Well, really, really, she's right here. All I see is a shovel. Betsy is the shovel. Oh, then yes. I, I see Betsy. I jumped out a window for her. <laughs> no. Yep, right out a window. Now, I don't care much about myself. You can leave me where I drop as far as I'm concerned. But Betsy here... I couldn't stand the thought of her being lost. 
thrown away, forgotten. She she deserves a place of honor, like in a museum. Or, or behind the counter at Al's, and I bet your mom's just the same. Uh, I don't think that would be very hygienic. What? I, I mean, I guess if you put her in a jar. No, no, I, I mean she deserves something better. To be honored for, for being the special lady I'm sure she was. She sure is. What was? She sure was. That's okay, kid. I get it. Look, I, I'll make sure no one bugs you while you're out here paying your respects. I'll tell him you're on sentry duty, watching for this supply thief. How's that sound? Gee, thanks. And just remember, as long as you have your memories of her, your mom will never truly die. That is mostly true. Well, I'll, uh, I'll leave you to it then. When you're ready, head back toward the fires. We'll have some chow and a bucket waiting for you. That was a close one. Did you hear all that, Mom? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> For now, let us leave young Andrew Snidge to his undead monster troubles and ponder larger problems. How will Neil and Allison find the thief in their midst? Can the group survive with ever-dwindling resources? Will they actually resort to burning their own feces? These are problems the noble founders of Heart Life themselves had to face. How will this group of adventurers fare without such wisdom? Find out as the story of our fair city continues. Above our valley, the skies royal and tumult with the storms left as the bequest of the days before exclusion. Even in the dead of night, our clouds scintillate with brief flashes, casting a glow onto the earth below, just as the stars are said to have done in the age of clear skies. Here in the bitter watches, dim light elucidates the slender, gangly form of Andrew Snidge, hunched away from the rest of our survivors and whispering surreptitiously into a small canvas bag. Mom! Mom, wake up, it's me. I brought you a present. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, sorry, you got something covering your eyes. I'll let me just get that for you. Oh, easy there. Looks like the thing covering your eyes is... Your scalp. Ew. Shh, shh, shh. Mom, if you wake somebody up, we'll be in big trouble. Look, I brought you a boot. Would you like to chew on it to pass the time? You don't understand a word I'm saying, do you? Oh, I bet you'd come to your senses for Nathan. Um, Nathan. Help Nathan. Yeah, yes, yes, you did help Nathan, Mom. You saved him from the crash. You're a good mom. Uh, you're not. Oh, Andrew, why did you wake me up? Because I miss you when you're in a ravenous trance. Andrew, I'm sorry. I'm just hungry and so hungry. I can't think. I hate I know, Mom. Just hang in there, okay? I mean, being hungry makes everyone a little scatterbrained. Brain? No, no brain. But soon, Mom, soon we'll be back home and you'll feel good as new. 
I found some nice people from the Lightning Rig to help us get back to the city. The Lightning Rig? Nathan! Up there, he... he tried to... What? Oh, well, it was so... What if he tried to kill you with a shovel up on the rig? Uh, we all make mistakes. <laughs> Don't cry. I'm sure he was just scared. He thought you were dead, right? Andrew, I want you to sedate me again. I can't focus. And the hunger. I can feel my mind slipping. But can't you just, just think about something else? I mean, you're a severed head, so uh, technically you don't need to eat anything. Hey, let's tell each other jokes to pass the time, All-Star. Put me back to sleep. Shh, okay, okay, okay. Just wanted some company, that's all. Lightning riggers are getting mean because they think I've been stealing supplies. I mean, I have, but, but only medicine for you. What's the big... Ah! Okay, Mom, just hold still. Good night, Mom. I love you. Well, guess I'm gonna have to borrow a few more syringes before too long. <sighs> no time like the present, I guess. my stupid flashlight this <laughs> quiet you you remember me mhm then you remember what i did to those rigs mhm you're much easier to break than a rig so when i take my hand away i know you're going to be nice and quiet right mm-hmm. all right then nice and quiet did I just say? What? Your knee is in my groin. Oh. Sorry, get up. I think I'll just lie here for a second. Nathan Rourke. How long have you been stealing from our camp? Ever since Neil Henderson started putting idiots on guard duty. Now what are you doing chasing after me? I'm on guard duty. Well, there it is. Nathan, you gotta stop. They think I've been stealing supplies. You have been stealing supplies. How'd you know that? It's called reconnaissance. And don't feel bad. Everyone's been stealing supplies. What? Well, everyone except Henderson. It's an interesting little microcosm of society. Wait. I don't believe you. You're a liar, Nathan Rourke, and you're just trying to confuse me and turn me against the guy so that I don't tell Neil. Well, it seems like something I would do. Here's the thing, though. I don't need to lie to you, Smidge. Snidge. I don't need to play games with you, Smidge. Because out here I hold all the cards. Cards are a game. Oh, it's a metaphor. What I'm saying is there's no one to protect you. You're an associate of Neil Henderson, an enemy of the company. And out here, I am the company. I always thought company meant more than one person. Like how Dr. West said to me one time, Andrew, 
I'm having company for dinner. Go wait in the closet. Well, that's best night of my life. Really miserable. Okay, shut up. Wait. What are you hiding there? Oh, Smidge, you brought me a present. No, Mom. What? Let go of my bag. You call your bag Mom? Just give it. <laughs> no! Oh, it's heavy. Did you steal a shank of wolf meat, you sneaky little devil? Nathan, lay down that bag or so help me! <laughs> What'll you do, Smidge? Cry? Where's that drop it? Oh, looks like Henderson isn't the only big man on the tundra. But before you embarrass yourself, let me just show you what's in my bag. What is that? You've never seen one? Dozens of them rained down when the rigs crashed. This very piece saved me from a pack of wild dogs. Engineers call a length of metal like this rebar, short for reinforcing bar. What does it reinforce? Compliance. Now I think you owe me an apology, big guy. All right, Nathan, I I'm sorry I yelled at you. No. Please, give me my bag. Hmm, what'll you give me for it? Oh, come on, just give me my bag. I'll bring you all of my food tomorrow, I promise. Yeah, no deal. Nathan, why can't you just be a nice person? I, I'm not a bad person. I'm just a smart guy in a world that values mindless sheep. What's a sheep? Metaphor. Right. And anyway, what the hell is so important in here? Medicine? Don't open it! Back off! Done playing, Snitch. Next time you get the sharp end. Nathan, please. You said it yourself. You're not a bad person. I'm begging you. Please do not open that bag. Nathan, I'm sorry. What is this? It's your mom. But don't, don't worry, she's still alive, sort of. She just seems dead because I've been injecting her head with painkillers to keep her sedated. Let me just put her back in the bag before she wakes up. Ah! Nathan, stop! Don't touch it! You have no right. It, it is my mom. You have no right. You're gonna pay for that. I don't want to fight you. <sighs> Not in front of mom. Mom? That's my mom. My mom. Mine. My mom. That's my mom. Mom. I'm sorry. Nathan. Huh? Nathan. My mother's severed head is calling my name. Of course. It's cold outside, and I need to head home. <laughs> Head, head home.
And so we leave you, dear policies, as silent witness to the brutal realities of life outside of our fair city. Beaten, broken, and left for dead, Andrew's singular hope rests in the metaphorical hands of Elizabeth Rourke. Will she find him in time? Can her love for the lad overcome her bestial hunger? Or is Elizabeth doomed to complete the ghastly work of her estranged son? Think on their plight, dear policies, as a lesson in corporate compliance. Remember, the company cannot watch over you if you hide in the shadows of self-interest. Stay sharp, do your part, and join us again next time as the story of our fair city continues. The wind keens as Andrew Snidge slowly pulls himself across the snow. Tiny shards of ice whip across his face and back, shredding his coat millimeter by millimeter. Every so often, a piece of hail rips into his skin and draws blood. (gasps) The fresh pain is a welcome distraction from the old pain, a dull, pervasive ache across his torso. His ribs are broken. One knee is shattered. Nathan Rourke's rage has left young Mr. Snidge in pieces. <coughs> Gotta find her. As he pulls his savaged body over the tundra, arm over arm, inch over inch, Andrew whispers a mantra in a vain attempt to separate his mind from it all. To see himself from above, to direct his body's actions as if he were a chess piece. Neil Henderson's camp has long since departed. Henderson gave the order to press on without him, and nobody made much of a fuss. Gotta find her. Gotta find her. Poor Andrew Snidge leaves a faint trail of pink in the snow behind him. It is the only thing approaching color in this bleak world of gray and white. (gasps) The only thing approaching color, save for a thin, flapping strap of blue canvas. The strap of a duffel bag. Mom! I'm coming for you! Don't worry! I gotcha! Andrew's gotcha! We're gonna be okay. We'll make hot cocoa tablets, sing folk songs, we'll play with puzzles and we'll pretend there's a mold outbreak and we have to stay indoors, okay? (laughs) Everything is gonna be just fine. We're gonna go home. I'm I'm gonna stand up. No, I'm gonna do it. Back to the city. But you, you can 
do anything. You could roll back to Hartford if you only had the strength. Mom, I want you to use me to sustain yourself. Start with my legs. They're the meatiest part of me. I'd go. Roll home. Save yourself. This is how I wanted to die. I was in seventh grade. This is Blacker's class. And Howie Preminger. He asked me. Andrew, if you had to die, you know, what would be the best way to go? Because well, he said he wanted to be shocked and that it would be, like, cool. And I said that was dumb. So he said, what would be the best way? So I, I said, uh, hypothermia is supposed to be the most painless way. I was right. I can't feel... Anything. I don't feel the cold. I can't even feel your head against my chest. I feel light, warm, even. <laughs> I win again, Howie. <laughs> I win again. Andrew? Andrew's that you? Good night, Mom. I'll see you in the morning. Andrew, wait! Stay with me! Andrew, my god, what happened to your face? So much blood. Oh. Oh, no. Andrew, please. Come back to me. Come on, kiddo. Andrew's breathing grows shallower and shallower as his unconsciousness threatens to fade into coma. Elizabeth, with what little faculty she can, tries to bury Andrew in the snow to insulate him. Andrew! but only succeeds in spitting a few dozen wet mouthfuls onto his chest. I'm sorry. But she needn't worry. The falling snow will cover him soon. Meanwhile, Elizabeth has grown hungry. Very hungry. No. I won't. I won't do it, Andrew. I would, would never. Not once. Not even a tasty little nibble. Focus, Rourke! Head in the game! Let's do this! Into the bag! Here we go! There. Nice and comfy. Elizabeth wedges herself into the bag and turns her eyes away, but she cannot avoid the smell. The rich, coppery, garlic scent of the blood pooling and collecting beneath Andrew's prone form. Elizabeth begins to dream red dreams, the forbidden snow cones of her youth, the crystals of crimson rock candy, a shattered red algae popsicle. No! Somehow, improbably, Elizabeth has collected enough liquid to salivate. The tendrils of desire curl up from the animal part of her brain, probing her judgment No! for weakness. And she perceives another smell carried on the wind over a snowy dune, the acrid stink of a leaking lithium-ion battery. It is faint, but she smells it before she hears it. It is distasteful. Hello? 
Circulation, what what? <clears throat> now, young Mr. Snidge, where have you gotten to? <gasps> there you are, Andrew! Found you at last. Andrew, stir your stumps, lad, or I'll stir them for you. Come now. Herbert! Andrew, stop that foolishness at once. You know I hate ventriloquism. And furthermore. Herbert, he's dying. Elizabeth? My word! Is that you? You have to save him. My dear, we have got to stop meeting this way. Body amputated again, I see. And by a cruder hand than mine. It was a falling girder. Ah. Herbert, please, you have to revive Andrew. Very well. You wait here. Ah! Hmm. He's dying. Hmm? Oh, no, he isn't. What? Of course he is. He's quite dead. No. No, he can't be. Oh, don't make such a fuss, Elizabeth. You were dead, you know. And he hasn't been dead nearly as long as you. His heart has simply stopped beating. Nothing wrong with the rest of him. And from his color, there's probably still One, oxygen and in his brain. And, and will be for the next several minutes. Five, so the risk of brain six, damage seven, is eight, probably... And nine, uh, and Elizabeth. ten, and eleven, and what, Herbert? Whatever are you doing? CPR! Open his mouth! Elizabeth! Come on, Herbert! My dear, you cannot give him mouth to mouth. Why not? You do not have lungs. Well, then you do something. Of course, of course. I'll get him into the car. I dare say, you've lost some weight, Andrew. Travel has been unkind to you. Right, up we go. <laughs> Come here, Elizabeth. You'll want to see this. No legs. Oh, right, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. I've got you. Now, if I remember my Christmas cards properly, I believe I just need to apply a certain amount of galvanic energy to the affected area. What do you mean, your Christmas cards? Oh, I keep a correspondence with a chap named Victor. He used to do this with frogs. Where did I keep the... Ah, here we are. Jumper cables. Now... You watch very carefully, Elizabeth. We simply open Andrew's raiment thusly. You'll thank me later. Now, one alligator clip to the clavicle. One alligator clip to the pectoralis muscle. And... Ignition. <laughs> it's working! <laughs> I rather did, didn't I? We need to warm him up. Turn on the car. Does the heater work? Ah, about that. We, uh, appear to be out of juice. The output required to start up Andrew has prevented us from starting up the car. And the battery was leaking. Good planning, Herbert. 
It's not as though I had a choice. Ah! Do you know how hard it was to charge this accursed thing? Ah! They're rationing power in the city. They have In no the city? What do you mean, in the city? Well, where do you think I'd been? The moon? Herbert. The center of the earth? Herbert. Boston? You are deliberately dodging the subject. You agreed to leave the city. Am I in the city now? Oh, don't you play semantics with me. Um, Herbert, come on, you guys, don't fight. Honey, we're not angry with you. Not in the slightest. Elizabeth just has some issues. Oh, it's me, is it? You broke your promise as soon as it came out of your mouth. I moved into the air ducts, thank you, which are technically... Oh, technically. Technically not part of Heartlife due to an ancient contract dispute between the company and the laborers who... Hey, put look the... at me. Look, my hands are moving. I'm alive now. Isn't that cool? That's great, That's so great Andrew. Andrew. So I wasn't in the city, thank you very much. Oh, just weasel your way out of this one, why don't you hurt? Oh, great. Fine. Not, I'm willing to put this behind me since you found us in a snowbank, she says. I asked you to leave. Shall I just leave you here then? Why don't you drive yourself home? Oh, that's right. You haven't got fingers. And how did you find us? I followed a radio signal from a locator chip. You put a chip in me? No, 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 no! I put it in Andrew. It's not always about you, Mom. I taught him to be prepared. No, you didn't. This is just another one of your half-baked plans. You have absolutely no idea how to get us home. And I'd just assume you did leave us in the wilderness to die. It'd be a mercy. It just so happens, madam, that I do have a plan. And it is baked to the fullest, thank you. Well, a backup plan, really. Just as good as my first plan, I promise. It involves a certain dead disposal driver. I believe you are acquainted. Simon, he can't see me. Well, then perhaps you should stay in your bag. I'm trying to help here. Just remain quiet. Herbert, I, I can't. I'm starting to feel the change come over me, and I... Herbert, I'm so hungry. Dr. West? Yes, Andrew. Yes. It's all right now, my boy. I've got you. My pocket. Yes. Yes, Andrew. You have got pockets in your jacket. And how smart they look. No, Dr. West, the sedative. I scarcely think you need a sedative, Andrew. Look at you, slipping back into semi-consciousness already. No, Herbert, no, you don't understand. Hush up in there, my dear. gotta stop meeting this way, Dr. West. Hello, Simon. Please call me Herbert. Might I trouble you for a lift? My car broke down. You should get that thing looked at. I'm sick of looking at it, honestly. It always made this weird noise when I put it into neutral. Like a grinding noise? Like a meowing noise. About that lift? Yeah, it's no trouble. I was on my way back anyhow. Is that fella all right? Yes, let me fetch him. Madre de Dios, what happened to the poor kid? Did the smart Woken get him? Oh, nothing so terrible as that. He survived a lightning rig crash. Mostly. Help me get him up in the cab. Well, come on. Grab your things and get in. May I put my bag in the back? In the tractor bed? With all the corpses? Yes. Hell, I guess they won't mind. Sure. 
Come on now, West. We gotta get little snitch to a doctor. I am a doctor. Jeez. I gotta tell you, that poor sucker looks like he's been worked over with a lead pipe. Oh, I know it. You're gonna be okay, kid. What were the rigs like? I was the first one out there, and I only showed up to collect the dead. Dozens of corpses. There were survivors, but they just asked if I had any food, real polite-like. I gave them what I had, told them there was help coming, but I reckon that was a lie. They said I was funny and gave me a shot of whiskey. Simon, do these seats recline? I ain't heard that question since Maybell Hightower. Hee hee hee. But yeah, they do. What are you doing? You said it yourself, my friend. Andrew needs a doctor. Let's see. Andrew, do you happen to know if your ribs are broken or merely bruised? Tickle, tickle. Oh, compound fracture. However, you would probably have less trouble breathing if your nose wasn't broken. There. That'll heal eventually, I assume. Okay, Dr. West, you're hurting the kid. Pain is just weakness leaving the body, Simon. Also blood. Blood is weakness leaving the body. No, that's just blood leaving the body. Did you hear something? Hmm? Yes, it was um, Andrew yowling about his fractured patella, wasn't it, Andrew? No, no, I definitely heard something. Sounded like... That Woken Harrigan! Doc, you stay in the car and protect the kid. I think that witchy woman followed us. I'll go get my... Oh. Ow. Needle thing. What's the little needle thing doing in my thigh? Andrew? Did you just sedate that man? A little. Where did you get that hypodermic needle? <coughs> uh, a gentleman is never without his fighting trousers. <laughs> Drive us home, Dr. West. I'm sleepy. The return of Dr. West brings terrible tidings for young Andrew Snidge. Yes, he and Elizabeth may be safe for now, but the shadow of the Doctor is long and dark. Recall, dear listener, that West's meddling with the forces of life and death brought chaos and terror to our fair city not so very long ago. Though you may thrill to see Andrew restored to life, friends, know that dark deeds are in the offing. No good comes of a renegade, and a renegade scientist is capable of such enormity that all sensible policies ought to quake in their well-worn work boots. Is Andrew Snidge a sensible policy? Find out next time as the story of our fair city continues. The design of our benevolent directors is undeniable in its elegance. Each designation system and distribution plan was strategized and set out with the best interests of each policy at its center. Even when strained by the failure of an individual system, the processes laid out by the founders protect the city, 
Now, in the midst of an energy crisis, power levels dwindle, public transit is disrupted, foodstuffs are scarce, and the dead disposal team has been expanded due to an unfortunate increase in policy mortality. The situation is inconvenient for the average policy, but it is a nightmare for Vice President Davenport. After suffering the indignity of waking up to no coffee, he must now endure an interdepartmental meeting. Here, the Commissioner of Public Safety and the Director of Transit must decide who between them will receive a requisitioned allotment of precious electricity. Well, Director, policies wouldn't be complaining about street safe's response time if your people mover actually started moving people again. Commissioner, let me lay this out in terms that an enforcer of public safety such as yourself can understand. The people mover is a system of machines. When the power fails, the machines stop working. Street safe officers, however, are not machines, and there is no I have use. the talk tube! I get to talk! It's called a microphone. Right, and you said that since the meeting stenographer wasn't here, the person with the tube gets to talk. That's not what I said. And anyway, if Eunice had filed the appropriate energy requisition forms at the start of this crisis... I did! I have the tube! And I don't remember receiving copies of your forms at the budget meeting. Give me that! Hey! Let the record show, Commissioner, that you didn't receive my forms because we had the budget meeting weeks before the power failure started! Still, though. No! Shut up, Terrence! You shut up! Commissioner, Director, please! We're all executives here. Let's act like it. Nothing will be resolved by bickering across the table like mole people fighting over an earthworm. Do mole people do that? I never actually see a mole person. They do. My point... Give me that microphone. My point is that this meeting is focused on action-oriented solutions to our current challenges. We have no time for squabbles. Fine. Let's address this rationing situation. I propose that management shouldn't have to. To ration? Yes! I haven't had coffee in two days. Do you know how that makes me feel? I can guess. Oh, I would literally kill a mole person for a cup of coffee. You know we don't actually give them coffee, right? Really? Can we just levy a food and amenities tax on the transit workers? I mean, with the people mover offline, it's not like they're doing anything anyway. They're just a bunch of sponges. Fat sponges! How dare you! If I weren't such a sophisticated, modern executive, I'd clobber you! Enough! Both of you! But- I have the tube! Commissioner, the company appreciates your flexibility during the implementation of our rationing strategy, which is non-negotiable. Now, if we can put our personal concerns aside for a moment, we need to address a larger issue. Getting the power back on! No. While I'd love to tackle that immediately, Mr. Kirby, head of utilities, has yet to return any of my messages. Uh, Kirby's a drunk. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Which may explain why no one's seen him since our energy problems began. Not even the bums at Al's bar. Do you suspect foul play? No, it's more likely he couldn't handle the pressure of the crisis and opted to suspend himself. With a vacation? With a noose. Oh... Well, technically, you're his superior, Davenport. Why don't you just oversee power distribution yourself? 
The contingency guidebook clearly outlines a conservation strategy of rolling blackouts until power is restored. Our utilities workers know what to do. As for management, their team leads will just have to take on additional responsibility. Why'd the lights go out? Maybe they forgot to take on additional responsibilities. I have to do everything myself. Excuse me, I'll be back in a minute. Uh, Vice President, aren't you forgetting something? Oh, here you are, Eunice. You've got the two. Yes! Hey! All right, see you here, Mr. Street Safe. I have several Wait. things to tell you. Not fair. I'm Vice President Davenport. She's coming. Why? Stop, stop. It's so good to see you, Vice President good Davenport. Good morning, Mr. Vice President. Shut it. Please wait. Elevator power is critically low. Oh, don't tell me I have to take the stairs. It would be faster to take the stairs. Oh. What kind of an idiot installs all these stairs, but no backup generator for the elevator? Open up in there. This is Vice President Davenport. Uh, are, are you here to relieve me? This is the central power station? Uh, y- yes, sir. You the switcher? I'm, I'm the power distribution operator, yeah. Right. I'm your new manager. It's time for some on-site coaching. Oh. <laughs> now, where's the switchy room? Uh, uh d- d- do you mean the power distribution board? Do I look like a mole person to you? Wait, honestly? Uh, uh, no. No, you don't. Then don't talk to me like one. Just shut your hatch and take me to where you do your job. Off we go to the switchy room. This thing controls the power? This? Ah, uh, please. Please, don't touch that. Um, yes, to answer your question, the switchboard directs the flow of electricity throughout the majority of heart life, but it requires constant adjustment by an operator. I control the power. Uh, 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 I mean, in in a sense. Well, good for you, Switcher. Now, as you should already know, my name is Davenport, and I'm the Vice President of Human Resources. So while you control Heartlife's electricity, I control you. Now, what in the world could bring two powerful figures such as ourselves to this fateful meeting, you may ask. Oh, uh, are you waiting for me to ask? Don't interrupt. Sorry. At this very moment, the Director of Transit and the Commissioner of Public Safety are sitting in a dark conference room, wondering why the power is out. And a very important meeting, which concerns the well-being of policies such as yourself, was brought to a standstill. Why? Because some idiot forgot to keep the lights on. Which brings me to you, the switcher who controls our power. 
Sir, I, I, I apologize, but my, my manager hasn't been here in days. The, the, the team leads are gone, and I, I've been at the board for over 30 hours. I, I, I don't think anyone else is coming in. I, I, I've just been doing my best with the information that I have. Executive offices and meeting spaces retain top priority for power distribution, even in the event of an emergency. The brain is more important than the extremities. Read your contingency guidebook. Right, uh, the guidebook. Well, sir, if if I may, uh, you see here on the switchboard, this red light? Now, an hour ago, I spotted the first of these. It means power is critically low in this sector. That's where my meeting room is. Well, uh, yes, and, and it's low now, but an hour ago, that warning light was over here, in the maternity wing of the hospital. Now, according to the guidebook schedule, that wing shouldn't receive power until tomorrow night, so... I figured, you know, uh, uh, people's... Policies. Uh, uh, policies? Lives will be lost if I don't keep the power on. If the meeting room is dark, it's not such a, um, uh, a big... So, so I just swapped the sectors in the cycle and sent power to the people who, uh, 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 uh the policies Cut who really... the power to the hospital. Uh, sir, Don't push me, Switcher. Sir, m my sister... Now! Yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Power to the executive conference rooms is restored. Don't worry about answering that. It's just the hospital wasting the last bit of their energy to complain. Ah, there we go. That reminds me, I forgot to call my daughter today. I have to do that before dinner. Well, good job supporting your team, Switcher. Thank you. Once again, the insidious forces of sentimentality and individualism have been quelled by managerial expertise. Order is restored, and the policies of heart life are protected by our synergistic operating procedures. What should happen, though, if this power crisis continues to worsen, without additional energy to replace what's been lost? Will the city ever return to its former glory? Find out, as the story of our fair city continues. It is said that the unlearned lessons of the past are doomed to repetition. It is that very philosophy which led to the founding of the Office of Antiquity, my own office, the very office from which these records are issued. There are, however, some parts of our past which are too dangerous to know. Some of these are beyond the scope of even this office to remember. Things left behind may be more horrific than even the frozen tundra outside our walls. For Neil Henderson and his companions, these two perils are drawing perilously close. He has led his scavenging party away from the rest of the group in search of food. He has even dragged his incoherent mole friend out into the waste. What will they find? Is there food in the chill? Might they come upon any resource to save them in this predicament? There is only one way to know. They must 
march on. Oh, the ants go marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. The ants go marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. The ants go marching one by one. The little one stops to disembowel your cousins and aunt and mother and niece. Yeah, sorry. I, I know I don't got much of a voice for singing. Helps Lomi relax, though. <clears throat> uh, Bullion Cube? No thanks. <sighs> Need to keep your salts up. And your water intake. Does my salt or water intake really matter when I've seen not one, but two grown men die getting torn limb from limb by wolves? Well, of course! What if you thirst to death? I don't even... Just shut up! Keep plowing the path, okay? I don't know why you're so prickly today, Allison. Now, I, I know that things haven't been great Could for starving you. to death a thousand miles from home have anything to do with it? Could being chased by hideous flesh-eating hounds have anything to do with it? I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. If you were, you would know that I am thinking of the most painful way to kill a certain PWC right now. I just want to remind you guys that I'm still walking behind you here, you know, looking for edibles. Just looking for food. Uh, uh, listen, listen, you guys, uh, I've had my fair share of lady trouble in the past, just, you want my advice? We, we don't. don't! Oh, look here! Moss! Oh, I haven't eaten for days. Oh, hold your horses, let's test it. Here, Lomi, give it a whip. Oh, finally food. I wouldn't eat that if I were you. If the smell's enough to make a mole choke, then- You can't then... trust a mole more than you can bury one. She just wants it for herself. Give it here. So good. It tastes like it tastes like fresh bread or funky soup or Is he dead? Let me check. Floppy. I guess the floppy means he's dead, right? I can't take much more of this. You hear that? If I say no, will you ignore it? Somebody needs our help! Come on, Loli! No, 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 no. I'm putting my foot down, Neil. All this rescuing and heroics and... Neil! I'll meet you there! Don't just leave me here with a dead body. Or at least leave the shovel so I can bury him before the dogs come, Neil? All right, fellas, we got a rock, a pipe, and an empty sack for weapons, so the chances aren't so good. Bring it, you ugly mutt. I'm not scared of a stupid dog. What about two dogs? No, only a coward would be afraid of two dogs. What about three, five, seven dogs? Uh, there's a time in every man's life when he's got to learn his limits. Don't. Captain Neil, sir, just in time. That was our last fire starting flare. And that 
was the sorriest show of hunting I ever saw. Ain't you the other four-man hunting party? Weren't there four of you? There were, yeah. Oh. Oh. We were at the ridge, and Big Phil went to pee by himself, and we heard a terrible screeching, and by the time we woke up and got there... <laughs> Come on now. Last time I seen a grown man cry like that was in the digestive aftermath of the... of the great bean surplus three years ago. You better tell me you have just as good an excuse. We're all gonna die. No one will ever know what happened to us. No one will ever bring our frozen gnawed bodies back. And the wolves are gonna wear our bones as hats. Oh, no, 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 no. No more of this death and hats talk. It's gonna be all right. Look, look. You're getting snot all over the good dog meat. Sorry, Neil, but the dogs, the cold, the starvation, there's just no way. Well, we'll be fine. Let's have a little less belly aching and a little more belly filling. We can gather up all this puppy meat, hike it back to Allison and the main camp in no time. Thank you for saving my life. You're better than the rest of the rigger lot. They won't even talk to me. I'm Grayson, son of Greg Gregor the Grip Book, by the way. Oh, uh, uh, nice to meet you. Will you hand me that paw over there? Thanks. I was a lug nutter on the aft side of the Stormhawk, but I've always thought I'd be better at tightening the lug nuts on the starboard side. Because I'm left-handed and all. You don't say. Is that an eyeball by your foot? Here. Oh, it's all wet. Of course it is. It's an eyeball. This will make us a nice bowl of stew. <laughs> all right, all right, all right already. Settle down. Y'all sure are a morose bunch, aren't you? We got nothing to worry about. We got dog meat, even if it's a little burnt and snotted on. And we, we got supplies for another five days at least. <clears throat> um, actually, Captain, sir? What is it, CS? Even with the foraging party, we've had quite a few supplies missing when we left two days ago. As Captain Allison has appointed me official caravan supply counter... More like official foot-rubbing ego booster. As official caravan supply counter, I've been keeping track of what goes missing every day. One standard-issue rigger flip knife, 12 tins of pressed algae, one emergency blanket, and also... What else? Uh, sir, uh, Captain Neal, sir, before we left camp, we were missing three tins of crackers, 16 boxes of matches, and two bodies, sir. Oh, Zeus! They took them! The wolves took them! Don't be stupid. What would wolves want with matches and crackers? I think he means the bodies. Well, but that's ridiculous. I, I buried those unfortunates a good six, seven feet under. Besides, there's no way those wolves are following us now. Not not with the steely thumping Betsy and I gave them. Scrap your shovel, Henderson. They're not afraid of us anymore. We shouldn't have hung around for so long looking for that smidgen kid. What did you just say? Did I just hear you say scrap and my shovel in the same sentence? You heard me. 
You used up our last flare, and now you're gonna have us all get eaten just like that smidgy runt. Now you listen here, and you listen good. We are not leaving any men behind, or any moles for that matter. Don't think I haven't heard y'all grumbling. As for Squidge, we couldn't have known he'd have gotten eaten until we saw all that blood in the snow. So shut your yap, or I'll shut it for you. All right. Stop waving that shovel, will you? You're getting guts all over my overall. Apologize! I'm sorry, Neil. Not to me, you idiot. To my lady shovel. What? Oh. Okay. Uh. I'm sorry, shovel. You're quite lovely. Your crusty handle is so nice. And if you ever talk bad about my Betsy again, I will show you the sharp part, a sharp shooter! What's that sound? <gasps> Captain Allison? On a snowmobile loaded up with spammed algae sandwiches and hot green leaf tea? Something tells me that's no spammed algae sandwich delivery. just opened up and... Oh, no! Hello! Hello down there! Tim! Jack! De depressed fella! Neil? We're here! Well, looks like you fell into some kind of old ruin. Well, ha hang tight, we'll get you out. Something wrong with my leg. Yeah, I, I, I can kind of see you. Uh, in my uh, unprofessional opinion, your arm's looking pretty crookedy, and I don't think a foot should usually be facing backwards like that. Just stay right there. It's too far down. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to wait for the others then grapple down. You can wrap your legs around me, and, and Lomi can wrap her legs around you while I clamber down there. Or, or, we form a human chain and lower everybody down Wait, and- Wait, just stop! This is as good a time as any. We need to talk, Neil, before everyone else gets here. About us? Well, no. Yes, sort of. It's our 11th day out here, and we've been losing at least one person a day now for a few days. Yeah, uh, I noticed. These guys don't have much in the way of survival instinct, do they? Eating strange moss, drinking their pee and all. Silly. Well, that's part of it. But the other part of it is you. So optimistically believing that we're all going to make it. Dragging those guys down that raccoon hole to look for critter chops. Leaving one-man guards out in a lightless night. It's sort of a problem, what with your leadership skills getting half of us killed. I mean, n no one could have expected that the baby raccoons would be so big or, or, or so hungry for faces. Actually, it is expected, Neil, and that's the issue. For example, 
You don't see a problem with lowering an entire caravan of wounded and somewhat untrustworthy men into a vast, unexplored chasm of a ruined civilization when we barely have any supplies left? Um... Nope. Guess not. Besides, you can't just leave them up here on the surface for wolf chow. You've seen how smart they are. They ain't exactly the brightest molds in the... The brightest... Um... What, what was it again? Neil, sweetie, metaphors later. Action now. This is our chance. Let's split up and make it back to heart life in half the time. Together. Allison, I can't... I can't do that. You can, Neil. You have to. They can fend for themselves. We're out of food, we're out of medicine, and I'm out of patience. We're barely able to keep the healthy people alive, much less every dog-bitten, half-frozen rigor we're carrying with us. We're the fittest ones standing, you and me. Uh-huh. And the mole. I suppose we could make it. We could start over. It's the right thing to do, and I need you with me. I cannot believe I'm hearing this. They look up to us, Allison. Looking up to us won't make anyone less hungry, warmer, or less foamy and rabid when the dogs come. Isn't it better to keep some men alive than for all of us to die out here? And what is a three-legged mole going to do when we get back to heart life anyways? She can't even help dig them out. I can dig down there just fine on my own, thanks. And as for Lomi, that's for her to decide when she's all patched up. She'll be fine. Right, Lomi? You hear that? Most enthusiastic, maybe my arm won't drop off after all, sir. I've heard all day. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think I got some tunneling to do. Neil, please, Neil? Damn it. Ugh. All right, Allison, think, think. There's gotta be another way. There's always another way. If you can't lead a PWC to water, start leading yourself. Neil! Neil! Is Allison right? Are our friends truly doomed? All signs point to yes, dear friends. The frozen tundra is no place for life. Or hope, for that matter. If anyone could survive it, though, if anyone might endure, Neil Henderson would be that man. Might he save them all? Can he be the hero they require? Find out as the story of our fair city continues. All right, and that was Our Fair City. Ourfaircity.com. Um, glad to feature them again here on the show. Um, they have been going at this for a couple years now, have four seasons. Uh, that was a sample of the some of the fourth season. We are going to feature the conclusion of that season, season four, next week here on Radio Room Revival. Uh, but first, uh, tonight we have one more little treat for you. Uh, it is a sampler of season five. Um, this trailer, I actually cut a little teeny bit out of it to not give away a spoiler of this season, um, but it's going to give you a taste of what is to come. Um, this first time anyone other than the Arifersity team has heard it, so uh, you heard it first here on Radio Drum Revival, a teaser from Season 5 of Our Fair City. Uh, it'll be coming out in January, um, and of course, like I said, we'll, next week we'll feature the rest of Season 4 here on the show. I'm sorry.
Heart life has made us all safe. The sacrifice has made for a time of plenty. And in this new era, a new hero is chosen. She's a lovely young lady and a good friend of mine, and she's just been handpicked by Heartlife to be the city's first geonaut. Ladies and gentlemen, Cassie Wilkins. I will not fail. For an epic endeavor. It's gigantic. Five levels deep, a full section wide. It's equal in size to the largest of the old lightning rigs, or so I'm told. I've never seen one. But she can't do it alone. We're getting the band back together, Andrew. Oh, boy. Join us for another season of Our Fair City, where we bring you tales of romance. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Secrets. What do you need? A A pound, if you've got it. I've got it. You got credits? Here. Conspiracy. Are you kids here to take down the man? Action! You're beneath the bed! And... Science! Coming to your Audibox this winter, it's Our Fair City, Season 5. Drill Down. Our Fair City.com. Um, I think I did promise there would be holiday programming. Uh, we'll get to some of that before the year is through, I promise. Air and Radio Drama Revival. Um, in the meantime, there are, um, from previous years, plenty of Christmas programming and other uh, great things. Check out radiodramarevival.com. Uh, dig in. There's a link to the episode archives there. Um, you can search for anything um, that we've ever featured and um, just surf around through the archives, see what you like. Uh, I'm often giving people personal recommendations, so seriously, you can tweet at radiodrama or email me, Fred at finalrune.com, F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E, Fred at finalrune.com. I will get you, uh, try to hook you up with what you like. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, there's so much I've featured on the show over the years that it's hard to figure out what to what to, uh, to share you know, next, um, but I'm trying to hook you up with the good stuff. So um, stay tuned here to Radio Drama Revival, facebook.com forward slash Radio Drama Revival. Um, search for us on iTunes or Stitcher for Radio Drama Revival. All right, that's a wrap for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers, but do please share the show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM. It is Southern Maine's community radio. It's podcast at radiodramarevival.com is a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.